Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Thursday, ready to talk some MMA with you here for the next hour. We got some news to cover, and we have a couple interviews to uh, facilitate. A couple Bellator fighters from the fabulous Bellator 277 card that's taking place on February 15th in San Jose, California. A couple title fights there, too, man. It's one of their tent pole cards, so we have a couple fighters from that card. The news, is, of course, some of it's going to be uh, the, the good stuff, you know, previewing fights or, or fight bookings or whatever. But then there's a couple where it's outside the octagon. That's just kind of what it's been lately. Been a little bit frustrating for me lately, but we got to do it. It's MMA Junkie Radio on a Thursday, March 31st. And again, two interviews headed your way. Tyrell Fortune, Bobby Saronio, both from Bellator 277. Alrighty, so first things first. I hmm, I don't want to sound like I, I uh, I'm not appreciative, but as we've been getting closer to our 15 year anniversary on April 11th, and show number 3250, which again isn't the most round number, but it's basically one fourth of a thousand. And the reason it jumps out at me is because back in the day, that's kind of what where our goal was when we were a daily show to knock out 250 shows a year. There's 365 days uh, on the calendar, but we obviously didn't do shows on Saturday and Sunday and then certain holidays and, you know, whatever, vacation days. But for the most part, we always gunned for about 250. So that meant every four years, we were getting to 1,000. Well, the last few years, we've only been going two days a week. So that pace slowed down, but... That's why, to me, the number 250 has always been special. Of course, 1,500, 2,500, 3,500, that'll be, 3,500 will be cool. But I posted something. Man, goes, we're already getting a ton of congratulations. And I was like, ah, no, no, no. It's just, it's just kind of like we're getting there. We're getting there, folks. We're getting there, folks. But on April 11th, that'll be the day. That'll be the day when we're at a solid 3,250, and it'll be our 15-year anniversary. So I just, I don't want everyone to think that I'm always fishing for, like, the pat on the back. As we get closer, but people must have misunderstood goes or just skimmed my post on Facebook. It actually confused me for a second. I was I always had to do the math and go, wait a minute, what's today? What's going on? Is that um, you know you always see like the last couple comments before you uh, actually click on everything. But I, I think where that comes from, George, is we had this one stretch about a year ago 
where just all these anniversaries and things kind of just fell really close within each other. Mm -hmm. Where it felt like we were doing it every other week. And I mm -hmm. think ever since then, I've been kind of like that too. Like, all right, we got to chill a little bit. But it just, it was like the perfect storm. It just kind of happened. Yeah. And I know what you're talking about because every March 1st was a anniversary date at Mandalay Bay. So I believe it was in 2019 when we got to 10 years at Mandalay Bay. And then it would have been 12 years of doing the show. And the 12 year mark when we were still going daily was probably close to the 3000 show mark. So I could see that, that one, 3000, 10 years of Manly Bay, 12 years of doing the show, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. That's all I can think of. But mm -hmm. yeah, this one says junkie radio. All, all I'm doing is just sharing the show basically. Right. You know, Hey everyone, we did a show. Now I'm sharing it on social media. That's our job. But on this one, I wrote junkie radio is closing in on 30, 3,250 shows. But more importantly, our 15-year anniversary is coming up on April 11th. Thank you all who continue to download the podcast, many of you since day one. So I, I thought that was pretty clear. I mean, all you have to do is look at a calendar and see it's not April 11th. And we're closing in on 3250. So just kind of communicating. I mean, you're supposed to kind of like not brag, but inform your audience of this is what we're doing. You know, If you look at most podcasts, usually it's the guest taking a picture. Sorry, the host taking a picture with their guests. Then there's a number there. Ours is a little different. It's really, really subtle. It just says MMA Junkie Radio, the podcast. And then underneath, it'll just tell you the number. But Goes and I don't really, like, put our picture or or anything like that. And who knows? Maybe sometimes that actually allows it to get buried amongst all the other podcasts there are. Some people have some really, really colorful artwork. But I guess... You, you know, when you're doing the daily, man, like you're just so busy trying to plan the show, prepare for the show, um, reflect on the show, you, re, you know, recap, whatever that you, you know, that's the last thing you think of. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't appreciate it. We do. I just didn't want anyone on April 11th to go again. Wasn't it last week? Because that's that's not that's not what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, as far as. MMA this week is kind of unique. There's no UFC show. London and Columbus, back-to-back. -back. <sighs> it was crazy, the fans. All right, cool. This week, nothing. Not even an Apex show. Challengers is over. Bellator is the following week. Actually, in two weeks still. The one uh, that our guests will be on. That has Antonio McKee Jr. And, well, actually, AJ McKee. I, I guess the A stands for Antonio, but... AJ McKee uh, versus Pitbull. Corey Anderson's challenging Vadim Nenkov. So the card's stacked, man. There's there's no way around that. But this weekend, all we have goes is Cage Warriors, 136. They're out in Manchester, England. LFA, 128. They are in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So a quiet quiet weekend in mixed martial arts do you remember a few weeks ago when it was bkfc <laughs> bellator ufc the challengers at pfl uh i think all of them but invicta were going of the major major ones we cover yeah that was nuts <clears throat> and right now we're kind of going so uh what's up <laughs> there's just you know maybe we should be glad that there's some uh 
fighters in trouble, I guess, a little bit. It gives us something to talk about. And now what seems to be news is fighters' reactions to what other ones are doing. Like, this one was weird because Kamar Usman, he's pretending like he's the father and his kids are Colby and Masvidal. And he's kind of, like, reflecting on what he thinks of what happened. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But Usman, who in the past, I thought, I wouldn't say struggled with trash talk, it's just he's not a definitive, like, I'm going to kick your ass. Like, you know, like like those statements don't come in like that. He just kind of looks at you and goes, uh-huh. Well, we'll see on April 9th, you know, who gets their arm raised. It's real casual, right? But now, this was about two, three years ago. Remember, I think Tyron Woodley used to call him, he used to say he sounded like a smooth talker or rapper or that he was a uh r&b singer i forget what the bag was but it was pretty funny because kamara has a real real cool polished voice in that regard you know and but now when you go okay number one pound for pound five title defenses hasn't lost in like 16 fights in the ufc like there's just no arguing with you know that now he can kind of say whatever he wants in whatever voice he wants and everyone's kind of all ears especially the two guys involved who he's beaten twice yeah it's you know i understand it's kind of he has this way about trash talking but he's never really the one that initiates it it's just him defending himself and that's kind of who he is um not everyone can trash talk you know what i mean like there's people that you just see it and you go oh, that guy's forcing it right there and, but Kamaro's been lucky in the sense that he's been so successful with his game that he doesn't really uh, need that that part of it. I mean, it'll always help. But uh, if he were losing and then still trying to be the, the smooth cat, I don't know that that would go over well. You know, it would be kind of like Wonder Boy or something like that, right? But uh, but when he does have responses, they're they're kind of funny. It cracks me up a little bit. In the end, he says they both took an L. I actually read the whole article to see if he gave someone the W and someone the L. But this is what he said. He said, he said one, it's unfortunate because it's taken itself. It's grow, uh, because it's taken itself. I, I'm just reading what he says. It's growing legs now out of just sports to actuality and reality. Oh, I hate when I do that. Sorry. Uh, that's what the danger that's what the danger about when you're trying to build a fight leading up to a fight, you have to watch your mouth. You can't just run off at the mouth and say what you want to do, say what you want or do what you want and expect the opponent to keep it sport related. Of course, some people, i.e. like myself, I am just wise enough to understand that you could say whatever you want to say. At the end of the day, I still do my talking with my hands inside once we step in there because that is what I'm there for is to compete. So you can say whatever you want to try and throw me off my competitive edge, but which is my mind. But at the end of the day, you can't. I will go in there and I will still handle business. See what I'm saying? Like, this isn't really anything where you're like, oh, my God, this is a poet laureate. You know, like he is letting it go. He's he's spitting venom. There's nothing like that. But he's just Kamaru Usman, folks. And he's probably the greatest fighter walking the planet at this moment. I mean, even John Jones. I used to always defer to John Jones. Whether you want to throw in the whole PD allegations or not, he still has been an amazing performer, or even D Demetrius Johnson. But I think this guy's just overtaken them all at this point. Um, 
And so he basically can say whatever he wants. Although, goes wasn't he in the buffet skirmish at the Palms? I don't know. He he was leading the dance. I remember Ali Abdelaziz and Colby Covington kind of threw some punches or pushes. And I know there was another guy who I thought was maybe Usman's brother, a big black fella. But Usman was there, right? I don't know if he was there, but I do remember Usman's brother being involved in it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think it's just something that's maybe hard to get away from for some guys. Uh have you changed your mind on any of this? I mean, we I think we can all agree it's unfortunate. It, it, did you give anybody an L or a W uh, when it comes to the skirmish at Poppy Steakhouse in Miami? I don't really give out an L or a W. Well, I mean, definitely Colby Covington's not getting either one of those. I mean, if you're getting jumped, there's nothing you could really do about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I did, I want to say lose respect, but I just thought it was unnecessary. Uh, instead of super necessary on Jorge Masvidal's part. I would give it to him if maybe he walked straight up to him. They had words, and then that happened. But to just kind of jump him like that, mm-hmm. I get why he did it. I And like I've said many a times, Colby's going to live in that world the rest of his life because of the things he's said. It doesn't mean it's right, but that's just the way life is. I read it somewhere. Maybe it was Rogan talking to Josh Barnett. Maybe it was Cormier. There's so much stuff that happens in our sport that sometimes it's just a quick headline or whatever. And then when you want to go back and reference it, you know, you can't find it. But somebody said what he should have done. I want to say it was Rogan and Barnett. What he should have done was say, hey, you, I want to talk to you outside. And once you engage that combat, so let's say he's finished his dinner or he's just sitting at the table or I don't know, whatever. That's not important. But you confront someone and say, I want to talk to you outside because you don't want to disrespect the steakhouse, obviously. Come on. I mean, we're not actual fucking gangsters here, right? This isn't a soprano hit or anything like that. So man to man, you say something. You walk outside and then it's on. Now, granted, at that point, I imagine Kobe would would uh, probably implement wrestling. I don't think he's just going to say, okay, no watches, no rings, and let's just throw hands. Um, I imagine he's probably going to duck under for a, a double if it, if it goes to that. And maybe that's what Jorge loses is that spontaneity of, da, 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 you know, the three-piece and a, to- and, a, and a soda. But in my opinion, the way it happened to jump him like that, I, I just, oh, like... I don't know, goes. I, I I guess what I what I pictured was that they would run into each other. They'd go face to face, and um, and then at that point, someone gets slapped, someone gets dropped, or whatever. But the fact that someone kind of got, you know, uh, a sneak attack. I don't know. I don't know. Especially a sneak attack with multiple people. Like, I, I already think Masvidal's a badass for starters, just because of the street far, street stories he's told us. Kimbo days, the Leon Edwards days. This was a step down to me in terms of him dealing with street justice. I, I just don't I – don't, I didn't like the execution of this. You know, the thing is, you're right. I agree, and I don't like any of it. But the thing is, he's kind of said that he just does that. And he said it multiple times throughout his life that, again – you just have to expect it. As ridiculous as it sounds, when you walk outside your door, 
you have to think is Jorge Masvidal outside right now because that's who he is, and he's told you multiple times who he is. So it sucks, but you're right. I like I, I wouldn't fist bump him over it, you know, like hey, good job. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I'm not shocked by it at all. Yeah. Well, he now is the one dealing with, you know, I doubt he'll get jail time, to be honest. But I think what this will lead to is a restraining order. I don't think there'll be a lawsuit. Kobe asking for 15000 towards his $90,000 Rolex. Like, come on. Like I say, I, I, I wish I could be the judge, have a TV show where I'm the judge for, for just the, the stuff that happens, where we cut to the cheese. We don't waste people's times with juries, lawyers, uh, mediators, nothing. You just come to Judge GG, right? And then I just go, hold on a second. So you did say this about his family. You know he's from the streets, so you had to expect this. He cracked your tooth. Go get it fixed. He messed up your Rolex. Big deal, whatever. No one, No one seriously got hurt. A restraining order, I understand, because you shouldn't have to feel like every time you're at a restaurant or someone, because he could be with his parents next time, with his sister, with his lady. It's over. You know, Jorge, you had your best shot to really, really knock him out if that's what if that's what the goal was. I, I doubt his goal was to kill him. His goal was probably to just knock him out and maybe stand over him, right, and maybe, you know, a, a picture, like the Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the goal was, but you had your chance. It's over. We all move on. I hate when all this money goes to fines and bonds and people getting arrested and, and these detectives, man, these, these policemen, they need to be working real cases and getting real people off the streets rather than this bullshit happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That That's what makes me mad. So I, I, I would look at both of them and go, it's over, guys. It's over. You know, you you won the fight. You're going to get closer to a, a third title shot, maybe. And you, uh, you know, you knocked this tooth out or you cracked it or whatever that was. and and that's it. Maybe you're the king of Miami again. I don't know. I mean, the, the really, by the way, guys, there really isn't the king of Miami. So that part is just done. Now, whether this leads to another second fight or whatever, at that point, it'll be on again. But but come on, fellas, you know, like we're done here. I wonder how the UFC looks at it because, you know, these are like valuable assets to them. If one of them gets hurt where they can't fight, you know, like they break a hand or or one of them. Right. How many times in street fights do people fall back and hit their head on the cement? Like, that's what I'm curious about is at what point does the UFC finally stand up and say something? You know? Well, you don't have to sit there and say, he's suspended for two years or he's fine or this or that. Just fucking say something. Like, pretend like this bothers you when you read it in the news. Yeah. You're right. Something that just says, we don't condone this. You know, and both of them will be spoken to. Whether you eventually get to them or not, I don't know. But those little fluff pieces, they get spread throughout, you know, the news, our sport, sports news or whatever. And I think it at least allows other people to go, okay, they're just not a bunch of knuckleheads over there in that sport. Like there's some sort of professionalism to these prize fighters. But you're right, man. There's times where we really, really look bad. I don't even care if after he does it, he's at the podium and he's saying whatever he's saying. I don't care if he walks out and he's in his underwear underneath, you know, it was just for the camera. And he even fist bumps both the guys. I don't give a fuck. Just put that la- that little piece out there that tells the Stephen A. Smiths of the world and 
all these other people that cover the sport kind of, you know, from the outside looking in, that we're just not a bunch of animals over here, you know, that we do actually give somewhat of a shit. Yeah. And by the way, have you heard about how Bob Saget passed away? It had to do with a fall, right? It had to do with the fall that where he bumped his head. Bob Saget is twice the age of this guy's. Well, no, Masvidal, I think, is 37. It's not like Bob Saget's 74. But I think Bob Saget's about 60. And as you get older, falls happen, but you're, you're obviously more susceptible to this. But anyway, my point is, if Masvidal had hit him and he fell back and hit his head, you know, on the corner of some steps, some cement steps or something, something could have really, really happened bad to Colby. I, and I know at the end of the day, if Masvidal, like, let's say, killed him with that shot, he bumps his head, God forbid, Colby loses his life. And now Masvidal's serving 10 years, 20 years for that. Like, come on, man. There's no way he'd sit in the cell and go, yeah, but I got mines. Who's the king of Miami? No, he wouldn't, man. He enjoys his Versace robes. He enjoys private jets. He's enjoying his life. His mezcal, everything. Like, you know, we're, we're past that. You know what I mean? So this happened. I get it. He cracked his tooth. Messed up his watch a little bit. But both of you, enough. We're done. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, I think it's, it's a fair ending. You know, Masvidal, again, had his shot to, to maybe land two shots or give him a shiner. I don't know what his eventual goal was. I don't think it was to kill him, but just to, you know, to, to, to get him. And, and, and that's that. And, and, and if it was that, then I would tell Masvidal, you're way out of line because, you know, killing him would not have, would not have done anything, uh, you know, I don't know. And, and then Abe Kawa saying, you don't understand how it is in Dade County. Come on, Abe Kawa. I've met you in our studio. Stop it with that. There, the 305 has badasses. Goons, whatever you want to call them. So does every major metropolis, for crying out loud. Everyone has their own version of street judge. I've even said it on this show plenty of time. The streets have no rules. So Honestly, it's really tough to say. There was four of them and only three of us. There, there's no rules. I mean, if you really have a problem with that, you probably shouldn't be a knucklehead, you know, or, or you shouldn't you shouldn't be a um, uh, a soccer hooligan or what. I mean, you know, like if there's 20 of them and 12 of you, that that's just kind of the life. There, there really is no rules. If they pulled out guns and you pulled out blades, that's your problem. You know what I mean? I, I think the only thing I can think of, honestly, and even then, I watch a lot of these westerns, whether it's movies or documentaries, and it really did seem like there you couldn't shoot someone in the back of the head, otherwise someone would hang you. And you 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 had to tell them, let's go outside, and then you 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 either settled it with with the gun stuff, but kind of like in a fair fight, and that was it. You know, there was no like, I, I don't know. Uh, Even don't the know. Oscars don't have rules. Did you hear in the Oscars that now they're saying they did ask Will Smith to leave and he said no? I thought they contemplated it, but they voted against it. No, I, I, I've heard it clear now on the news a few times that they've said we asked him to leave and he said no. Now, I get his stance. This guy punked me, punked my wife or whatever. By the way, Will, you're not the first one to have a lady who got punked by a comedian. But anyway, he she she got punked. But I know Will, deep down, thought I have a good chance of winning my Oscar. <laughs> How am I not going to go up there and receive it? But that was him basically saying no, you know, and 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 
that's not how it works, honestly. Like, you know, there's a lot of places that, that would ask you to leave after an incident like that. And, and you know, you really, really should. But he chose not to. So he did have his one moment or whatever. But in the end, when this whole thing, I think, finishes, trickling out goes, I think it's going to be worse for Will Smith. Uh, he, he may get enough pats on the back out of boys for standing up for his wife or standing up for himself or whatever. But I think in the end, it'll it'll probably haunt him more than than uh, the feel-good stuff. I think uh, his wife is going to feel a lot of it as well. Um, right now, like, I haven't seen that many attaboys. I've seen a few. I thought I'd see more. But, uh, but yeah, the majority of what he's getting is, is criticism from everyone. And everyone has an opinion. I've already heard a lot of, you know, social media celebs, like, Oh, that's what every girl wants. An alpha male to defend, you know, for her man to defend. You know, all right, yeah, okay. I mean, if that's your opinion, that's cool. I'm not saying it's, it's you know, you're out there or anything. I, I understand that. A lot of chicks like that. Um, but thinking it through, letting all the dominoes fall, I just think that he, I would have been more impressed with him giving him a look. Like, I don't know if you said it or someone saying like, hey, after the show, mm-hmm. me and you were going to have a talk think the audience would have went ooh or whatever and then after the show you can really have the talk or maybe that was just you kind of like checking them and letting them know that this isn't the same the guy to mess with or whatever but not in the middle of the oscars live uh totally wrong there in my opinion you you have to keep yourself composed as a human being sometimes things just don't go your way but you really do have to keep yourself composed yeah if this were at a bar i'd almost go hey that's life but you're at the fucking oscars you know what I mean? Like, you just can't do that. Right. And it wasn't just, like, some fan stumbling through. It's the commercial. The fans can come down and get selfies and pictures. And then some guy goes, ha-ha, look at G.I. Jane. No. It's a professional comedian who's roasting people left and right. Some movies sucked. Some movies were too long. Uh, this this actor's, you know, had some shitty movies, but we're celebrating him today. Ha-ha. He's poking fun. He says he didn't know about Jada Pinkett. And uh, I didn't know. To be fair, I I didn't know. Did you? Uh, I don't think so. I just remember. No, I didn't know. I didn't know. I I guess you know. I I get that she's maybe talked about it. Yeah, that's what I thought. Platforms. Yeah. But um, but just because she was on a show doing it, like I don't listen to every Joe Rogan podcast, and I feel like that's a pretty big platform, you know, or The View or any of these other shows. But we don't have time to know everything about everyone. Right. Yeah. How about John Jones giving his opinions on Chael's son? And he's kind of saying, man, if this was me, you'd all be burying me. But you guys have backed off on Chael. Um, He's right in the sense that, see, us as a site and most media do kind of hold off a little bit when it comes to you know, you want to give your opinion, you want to share your thoughts and your reactions to an incident, but you always hold back. I was getting into this a little bit on the YouTube channel. Some people were giving us a hard time for saying alleged. Um, uh, on, 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 I think it had to do with Masvidal. He goes, alleged? He goes, Masvidal came out and actually said it, you know? No, Twat, he didn't. What Masvidal said was something went down. Wink, wink, you know? And then, of course, when the news trickled out, you start to connect the dots. But in reality, he didn't confess to that actual assault. So it's our job to say uh, alleged, 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 alleged. And and honestly, I I understand the person's viewpoint because there's so much stuff where 
you know, like we'll say the 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 shooter goes here at, at Mandalay Bay. If he lived, he probably would have pleaded, you know, not guilty. And then we got to go through the process. The process is kind of what pisses me off because it's plain as day that someone did something. Now it's up to the legal system or whatever. But I don't know. Most people say the legal system works. Okay. But in this regard, Chael, uh, you know, there's two different stories. I, I heard something went down at the Luxor. I heard something went down at the Four Seasons. Now there's a couple that's suing. Now there's been some charge. What I'm getting at is now there's been some charges that have been dropped from felonies to misdemeanor, which will probably help uh, Chell Sonnen in that regard. But John Jones is saying, hey, how come you guys aren't coming after him? And I would just say, John, man, we just haven't gotten all the details yet. You know what I mean? And um there's no video there was no video of it yeah i'm pretty sure that's kind of what we've done with john too usually we're usually reacting to police reports you know what i mean but some of john's stuff's been on video yeah that's for starters it's been on video you know and um so it's not apples to apples but boy those two dislike each other man yeah they do and it's understandable but and you know what? I'm going to say he, he has somewhat of a point, but really when you break things down, things happen for a reason. You know, we wouldn't, as a website, we wouldn't hold on to information and not put it out because of who it is. You know what I mean? Like, it, trust me, that's how websites uh, make money, right? Is how many people visit and all, and you, you tell the news. So if we have it, we put it out. But uh, that situation just wasn't the same. Yeah. So in the end, Sonnen, his uh, felony battery charge was dropped by the prosecutors and he still faces six misdemeanors. So he's not out of the woods yet, but misdemeanors are usually the types of charges, I guess, where you don't wind up doing jail time. You mostly have to do community service, pay fines. Um, You don't get in as much trouble, but crazy stuff happens, man. So what do I know? At one point, is it was eleven charges. It was ten misdemeanors and one felony. Now it's down to six misdemeanors. So we'll keep an eye on that. When we know more, we'll pass it on. If you want to read the stories, they're all on MMA Junkie, and they break it down in the legal sense and the legal form. Our job is just to kind of react to what's happening, kind of keep it real with our opinion, and in terms of like come on already, you know, because so much of this just really, really does seem like a waste of time. But I'll tell you what's not a waste of time goes talking to Terrell Fortune. I always enjoy doing that. He's going to be the first of our two guests. He's fighting at Bellator 277 uh, on April 15th. Let's discuss that with him. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and goes back at it again. We got another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. It's heavyweight Terrell Fortune, who's going to be fighting Raheem Cleveland at Bell Tour 277. It takes place on April 15th out in San Jose. That's the home turf for Bellator out there. It's one of their big 10 pole shows. We got a couple title fights. It's a deep card. Welcome back, Terrell. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be in the show. Happy to be a part of this uh, event. It is a huge event. You know, there's a lot that's going to be settled. There's a big rematch with McKee and, and uh, Pitbull, and then we got the finality to the, uh, to the Grand Prix. But obviously, every individual fighter, it's their own Super Bowl. For you, this one's a little different. We've talked to you on a couple occasions. 
you know, with the 11-2 record, you're usually coming off a win. This time you had a setback. How are you feeling from the set, uh, after the setback? You, you know, uh, I know you come from the world of wrestling where, you know, those things happen, but you can brush them off maybe a day or two later. In MMA, they have to fester, uh, you know, within you. Were you able to shake it off pretty easy? Um, You know, there was different things that uh, I had to shake off and learn from from this fight. Where'd you guys go? You guys still there? Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. here. Oh. And um and so it, for me like the biggest the biggest thing that I think I learned from this fight was a to slow down. Um because of just how the fight was going, I was so anxious to try to knock him out that I was so only focused on trying to hit him in his head. And I wasn't setting up any shots. I, I don't think I threw any leg kicks or body kicks or um I think I threw two head kicks, but I just wasn't mixing it up at all. Um I absolutely will not fight with uh, any form of energy uh, injury anymore. Um, with this fight, a lot of people don't know. I didn't say anything, but I had a I had a back injury going into it. it. It felt like it was getting better, but as I was fighting, I was just locked up tight, and that's why I couldn't wrestle back in those positions. So it was kind of for me. It was a, uh, you know, he was he was able to get in certain positions to where it was like. For me to advance, I need to go backwards as far as position and meaning like I need to go to my back and push on the knee and scoot and shrimp out. But I was afraid I was I wasn't prepared to think that I, well, I didn't feel strong enough that my body and back could hold up with his pressure trying to shrimp and scoot out and everything with all that weight on top of me. So I was like, I have to kind of stall here. And if he makes a way to move around in front of me or behind me, I can make an attempt to get up. But. It was a it was a difficult situation to fight in just because I was like, okay, look, I'm not gonna let you really get any position, but once I stand up, I'm just gonna go try to knock you out as much as I can, fast as I can. Are you healthy now from that injury? Yes, I am healthy now from that injury. Okay, you know, one thing that I was thinking about with just this previous weekend, another heavyweight performed Curtis Blades, and he. He seems to have gotten dismissed in the UFC because he's 0-2 against the current champ, which is Francis Ngannou. But he's only 31, same age as you. And yep. in heavyweight, that's a, that's still young. Like There's still a lot of time to get better and hit that peak. Um, so I wanted to ask you, like, do you feel the same way? Like, You, know, you want to be ready when it's time to face either Bader or Congo or whoever's there at the top, I suppose. Uh, you know, when it's time. So all these fights, all these experiences you're accumulating, I'm sure you're banking them, but do you feel you're ready now or do you still feel like you a little bit more seasoning and then when it's time, you can go for that gold? The thing with this sport is that you think you know something and you think you've learned something, but until you've applied it a thousand times, you can't really, you can't really feel comfortable with it. Because like, if you asked me before any fight, I felt I felt ready. I felt good, ready to go. I mean, for me, I think it's a little different too because the person who helped me prepare the most at the beginning of my career was Bader. My first six fight six fight camps was all with him. So to of course with fighting him, there's a more level of like being comfortable because I've been there with him. We've done all these positions. We wrestled, we grappled, we've sparred, we've done all these things. So it's nothing for unfamiliar with me with him. Um I think it, it changes a lot of the environment when you're in the actually in the fight opposed to training. Um, in training, you I never have to I never spaz out like like I did in my fight, but that's because it's also not the pressure and the anxiety of competing and winning and being in the in the cage with the fans and and everything like that. 
and you had those stressors and that anxiety. Now I'm I'm throwing all my shit at him and just trying to knock him out, and not really focus. So I think um I, I think for me personally, I think I'm ready to fight anybody at any time. It's not really a like a thing I'm trying to learn or stuff. I think I have I have the skills and the ability. Now it's, it's so much application, learning when to do stuff, how to do it, uh, setting it up, being able to read his body movements and what he's giving me, and setting those things up with that that I think as you uh, you need the experience and the time to apply those things. And that's that's where I feel like in my last fight, I was I was off a little bit. Linton didn't beat me up. He beat me in the competition. If that may, if that, that and that's how I feel about my last fight. If we if we if that fights were truly assessed by damage, who beat up who, I think I win that fight. But because it's a competition and he's can able to stop me, hold me down, make me look as if I'm not. I wasn't able to fight because when we were on our feet, I was the only one going forward. It looked like I, well, I was the one to fight and him trying to stop me from fighting. So it's a, it's hard to really assess those things and, and give you a clear answer on that. You started when you were 25, about six years ago as a professional yep. fighter. You're now 31. How does the fight go between 31 year old Terrell fortune and 25 year old Terrell fortune? How much better are you now? I mean, usually they tell us, "Oh, I'm better now. I'd kick my my own ass from six years ago." But where 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 are where have you gained advantages? The knowledge, I think, the knowledge so much of and knowing when and where to apply things, and knowing on just like certain techniques that that don't that aren't really successful that you that you can't use so much. Like, I think for me, a lot a lot of the time too, like um. Like at the beginning, I just had Bader. So I was just learning a lot. There wasn't so much me uh, like figuring out what I was good at to put in. It was just like, just do it and see what see what works. You know, kind of like a, a guess and check type of thing. Now it's kind of more like, okay, these are the skills I've developed and this is what I'm good at. Now, how do I apply these things to the things that he's not good at? So I, I just think the knowledge of it, it has gotten a lot. My knowledge has grown in the sport and experience. So, I mean, I think, yeah, the, the new, the, the now Tyrell beats the new Tyrell just because the new Tyrell was just a young kid, didn't know what he was really doing. So it's funny that we were on this topic because that's something that I wanted to talk to you about. The one thing that impresses me the most about your game is your explosion, but not so much what it really is, is when you choose to do it. You get to these certain positions, and when you're in them, it's like a freight train just coming at you. Um, but you're very sharp in doing that. I wanted to ask you where where did that come from, and is, am, am I reading that right or what? But it just seems like when you get in certain positions, you let it out, man, and it, it, it's really tough to contend with. Yeah, um, I feel like that's that's one of my uh, uh, like cards, you know, in my hand. That one of the skills that I possess is that being able to explode in those positions. So for me, I just try to use that, and it's kind of like I'm lulling you to sleep. I try to want to get you to play with me and engage and things. So then I can explode and create those openings. But I think it really comes from wrestling. Wrestling so much for me was, all right, move my feet, get them to move around, start moving, 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 and then get them to make a mistake. And then I have to explode through them. So it was always trying to look for an open, force an opening, make an opening, tap them, get them to reach. And as soon as he reached, throw everything at him. So I think that just transitions from wrestling. George was mentioning you know, when you first started in the sport, we remember when you came on, we remember hearing your name and a lot of people telling us about you. Do you remember the exact moment, whether it was a moment in the gym or in a fight, where you now felt comfortable as a mixed martial artist? You felt like, I can call myself a mixed martial artist here. I've 
I've learned everything I need to learn, and now I just need to get better at it. Oh, I'm, I'm no. I well, I can't say I've learned everything I need to learn. Um, I, I think I'm. I got to stay in the, the the mindset of a beginner, and and always be ready to learn because there's always something you can learn, especially in this sport. There's so many aspects and 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 sides of the game, but um, I would say there's a moment now where I feel comfortable, and. And I think every fight I get even more and more comfortable. For instance, my last fight was the first time that I was like, you know what? I don't give a fuck if I get knocked out or hurt. And until my, I got poked in the eye and I couldn't see, I was ready to just throw, especially in that third round. I was like, I'm just going to slide in and, and whatever happens, happens. And it was the first time I felt comfortable doing that. Um, so that's why I say you just stay in the mindset of a beginner and be re ready to learn and adapt in any situation because you really you don't know what can happen in a fight. Anything can happen. You know, we a lot of people have different answers to this, but I'm curious in relation to your career, when COVID hit really strong and everything was shut down and it was hard to get training partners and fights and all that. Um, do you feel like that helped you or did it slow you down because you did have some time to kind of sit back and learn new things and, and all that. But at, at the point in your career, how did it affect you? Mentally, it was a mentally it was a great thing as far as like being able to sit back, analyze and learn a lot more because we didn't have anything scheduled. But it physically, it, it hindered me a lot because I wasn't able to to spar like I needed to. I wasn't able to get the, the drilling in like I needed to. So not having the partners and stuff uh, accessible there because of COVID made it made it annoying but even at that time i still kept a good amount of of training and stuff and for me i like i have keys to my gym so you know i i can i was going there still twice a day or uh, once a day with my coach or by myself so that made it that also made it a lot easier for me with de dealing with that problem but i think it was just the loss of not being able to have a person there to work on the application it, sl it slows you down do you think about the title often, you know, wearing gold, or do you just take it fight by fight? I, I, I think I take it fight by fight now. Before, uh, a few fights ago, I was so caught up, before I lost to Tim, um, I was so caught up on being the champ and just worried about that. And that's that's all I could think. That's why I went into that fight with getting over COVID on a Tuesday. And I'm like, fuck COVID. I'm, I'm going to be fine. And my coaches, even, you know, every time he's been begging me, like, hey, don't fight like don't fight every time i've lost trevor has advised me not to take that fight and every time i tell him to shut up i lose so it was one of those it, i think for for me is is just a uh, listening and, and learning because i just i if i put my mind so far of something that's a goal that's so far in front of me i'd send to lose sight of what's near or what what's right here in front of me so now i just focus on the opponent and what I have to do to win the fight. And that will take care of everything else. Nothing else. If you're not winning fights, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you, you can't do shit. You have no voice. You have no stage to speak or say anything. And you're probably worried about losing your job. You win fights, it take care of everything. You can say what you want, call out who you want, fight who you want next. You, you making more money. The company likes you promoting you more. So I think that for me, it's just don't worry about anything else, but winning the fight and the opponent you have in front of you. Well, I like that in 2022, things are moving now. You know, we had the title fight about a month ago or so, and they yes. already yeah, outlined what's happening in France in May with, with Czech and, and, you know, Vader. And now we have some key fights that are taking place along the way. So 
you know, end of 2022, early 2023, 2023, it could be your time. And you're like you said, rack up the wins and just be ready, be ready and healthy. But uh, now, now, like I said, the, the the division's moving forward, so I look forward to some big fights between you big dudes over there. Yeah, I hope I hope we start a Grand Prix again. That would be dope if we could get another heavyweight Grand Prix. I think the fans will really enjoy that. Yeah, well, I mean, they're getting through all the divisions, but I'm sure they'll circle back. So, uh, yeah, that, that'd be a great idea. Scott Coker's always loved working with the heavyweights. You know, one of his first Grand Prix was the Strike Force one about 10, 20, 12 years ago. And uh, so I'm sure he'd love to, to revisit it. Uh, Terrell, I want to thank you for the time today. I'm glad we were able to connect. Good luck with the rest of your camp for Rakeem Cleveland on the 15th of April. We'll definitely be watching on Showtime. Uh, thanks again, and we'll hope to talk to you soon. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate your time. Well, like I told him, goes, if anything, win, stay healthy. This is the year that Bellator, I think, is finally can finally say the heavyweight division has some activity and you know th this is a chance for these fighters to compete and you know leave their stamp i guess because I, I remember we went through the vitaly minikoff era where he was a champ and then he went away for three years and there was just no answers and then bellator had like josh barnett and javier yell and roy nelson and i thought okay and fedor was like three to five years younger frank Mir, and i thought okay now's your chance to maybe kind of do something to set up the future and I thought they kind of fumbled that, you know what I mean? And so here we are now with really a lifelong light heavyweight who rose to the occasion and won a heavyweight Grand Prix. And but but then he volunteered himself back for a light heavyweight Grand Prix, which kept them away. So we were back to the nonsense part. But now that he's beaten Moldovsky, and now that he's already got the fight coming up in Paris, France against Czech Congo, the heavyweight division can now move forward, blossom, I guess. Yeah, dude, I don't know if he's had a uh, training in social media. <laughs> and how to address media or what, but literally every answer to every question um, was pretty impressive. Like, he, he's realized his mistakes. Um, and I was serious when I said, like, the, he, I really feel like this dude has a future. I just think um, exactly what he said, what his coach said, actually, is he's got to slow it down. And I think uh, slowing it down a little bit, I think we're going to see a good year for him. Yeah. You know, he um, he's a wrestler who actually gets finishes. So I, I believe there's there's a lot of potential here. He's only 31 years of age. He still has a few more fights before I believe he reaches his peak. And why not be at your peak when you're competing for a title? So I think this means fighting on the 15th against Rakeem Cleveland, who used to fight over for PFL. That's a good that's a good start. And maybe the next one's an Avenge. Uh, avenging the loss to Tim Johnson or someone else. But I think after that, he, he could be in prime position for a title shot. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get back to uh, some news here before we get to our next guest. UFC 273 goes is set with two title fights and six fights on the main card. Now, this doesn't really ruin our game because we host these watch-alongs for these pay-per-views that the UFC does. And we're doing another one for UFC 273 on April 9th. Join us then. Goes and I, of course, our portion of the day, because we've added pre- and post-fight coverage, it includes covering nine fights with you. It's uh, the, pre the featured prelims that go from 8 p.m. Eastern to 10 p.m. Eastern. That's usually four fights. 
and then five on the main card. Well, this main card is six fights. Why? I don't know. Kind of weird, too, because it's got the two title fights. It used to be what's called a uh, a time issue. But because ESPN kind of controls everything and they don't run into fines for going over, you know, with, with the pay-per-view providers, I guess they can just kind of do whatever they want, which in, in that case, I would say, well, then why just why don't you always give them six fights, especially since y'all moved it up to seventy four ninety nine. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this it's never a bad thing, I guess. It, it, how it doesn't affect us is we're going to be with you for nine fights anyway. So this is just six of them on the main card, and two of the, two of them are title fights: Alexander Volkanovsky against the Korean Zombie, and Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan, and of course the featured bout of the night: Gilbert Burns and Hamzat Shemayev. So again, join us on April 9th for that UFC watch along. Goes, you getting excited about this card? Yeah, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to figure out why it makes sense to do six fights. I don't know if that's them. Does that mean that they they're trying to get you to order the pay per view more by moving more fights to there? I don't know what the strategy. I think they've done it one other time, right? I think there was another time when they did that. I would say maybe closer to like a handful, but I really don't know. You're right. It might be one. It might be five. It might be 18. I don't know. But I, I think it's happened at least at least a couple more. Yeah, I'm curious as to why that is. But it's going to be a good a good card, I think, overall. There's, look, somebody's got to eat crow. Peter Yan has been running his mouth, dude. I mean, nonstop. Like he, if you look at the first fight, you feel like for sure, you know, he's already proven that he can back it up. But it's not like Aljamain Sterling, some bomb or something. Like, dude, that, that's a good fighter. And really, sometimes in the sport, all it takes is a couple adjustments here and there, and you have a completely different fight. So Peter Yan better hope that uh, the best Peter Yan is showing up because Aljamain Sterling's no joke, man. That should be fun. And Zombie and Volkanovski, I mean, you know, how do you not watch the Korean Zombie? You know what he's all about. And Volkanovski quietly has become one of my favorite fighters to not just watch but to hear talk and just hear his thoughts on things uh it's it's a it's a great fight man yeah and and so a couple things here Corey sanhagen was saying the same thing you were like hey if i'm peter yawn even though you were doing very well in fight one before the 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 fight ending foul (laughs) sterling's no joke remember sterling got Corey sanhagen out of their fight very very quickly he definitely has some strengths with his grappling game. Um, I, I, I will say this. I'm trying to remember what I was going to say. I'm buying time here, but. Oh, I know. What? Oh. Huh? Go ahead. No, no, here, here it was. Was. I mentioned either way, we're going to be with you for nine fights, but I'm dumb because we commit <laughs> to the 8 p.m. start time and the four fights on the prelims still exist. So, Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Marcin Tabora. Josh uh, Josh Fremd versus Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. Ian Gary versus Darian Weeks. Aspen Ladd versus Raquel Pennington. See, that doesn't change. The fact that they're adding six fights, sorry, adding a fight to the five-fight five main card really just means it's a longer night for us. So, the, the, the looks like we're doing ten fights on the night is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends, right? Because if there's quick finishes, then it's a shorter night, right? But potentially, if the fights do go long, then yeah, it's a longer night for us. Now, this is now I remember what I was going to say. When you were describing 
that Peter Yan does need to be careful. I'm thinking of, do you remember when Johnny Hendricks beat Robbie Lawler for the first time? Mm-hmm. He beat him, and he had one really, really injured shoulder, I believe. And I remember he went, I think he got the surgery, and I remember him saying, I feel real confident. I train my ass off, the same stuff we always hear, but now I got my shoulder fixed. And I remember thinking, well, this is a guy that did very well in fight number one, and he got his shoulder fixed. And Robbie Lawler's, you know, a little bit older because of the two of the two. Robbie Lawler was like the the more aging veteran. And as I say that, I also realize Robbie Lawler's still fighting. Johnny Hendricks is long retired. But boy, that should have been a fight where you think, okay, this guy's coming in, you know, one hundred percent now. He he should have an easier time with Robbie Lawler. That that did not happen. So yeah, Peter Peter Non cannot just rest on his laurels just because he was having. Uh, an easy fight in in round one. Not an easy fight, but he was comfortably winning that fight. Yeah. I think um, if you had to pick between the, the top two fights, the top two favorites, which which underdog do you think has the better shot? Jan, because... Well, I don't know. Okay, so Jan's the challenger. He's an interim champ coming in as a... Uh, uh, no, 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 underdogs. He's underdog. The he's the favorite. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Then I would say Sterling has a better chance than the zombie. Yeah, the zombie's lost about eight fights or so. I love how heavy his hands are and how reckless he is. And he's got the experience of going five rounds, fighting to the bitter end like he did against Yair. Experience against Jose Aldo. Moko um, almost got choked out by Ortega. Very, very, very talented. Don't get me wrong. You're asking me a tough question, and I'm splitting hairs here, but. I've also seen Aljamain Sterling go out there and just suffocate, going back to like Corey Sanhagen, for example, you know, suffocate some fighters where you're like, oh, man, this guy's pretty special. You know, he's a big guy. So I'm going to go with Aljamain Sterling has a better chance to dethrone Peter Yan than the Korean zombie does of Alexander Volkanovsky. And here's another thing. Peter Yan and his team had some troubles. I don't know if all the team's going to be able to get in to Jacksonville. Remember, he was kind of soliciting online, like, well, I need a coach or whatever. So mm-hmm. that stuff, he's not coming in in optimal conditions is what I call it. Maybe that could be a spinning back click question. Yeah, that's a good one. I like it. So let's see if I got this right. It's a two-title fight, Sterling and Jan. It's uh, Volkanovski and the Zombie. Gilbert Burns and Hamzat Shemaev. The strawweight, sorry, yeah, strawweight fight of Mackenzie Dern and Tisha Torres. And then there's Alex, uh, Alex Alexei Olenek versus Jared Bandera. That was supposed to be on the Columbus show. Olenek was supposed to fight Latifi, but uh, they that that fight fell through because Latifi got sick or or there was a COVID or something happened. But now Olenek's got Bandera, and then they added um, Duplessis versus Calvin Gastelum. Calvin Gastelum was originally supposed to fight uh Nasruddin Imavov which I think was main card worthy Duplices I don't know that he's you know he's 16 and 2 overall 2 and 0 in the UFC I get it there's promise there but I don't know that he uh, his name has name card status I guess every once in a while the UFC rolls the dice and they're doing it this time Yeah it could be um I was uh, well, I'll tell you later So 10 fights it's a busy night but yes we will be there for the watch along. So join us, folks, for uh, 
the UFC 273 watch along on April 9th, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And remember, we have been adding pre and post fight coverage there as well. Next week, we'll give you the exact times for that so you can check it out. Um, Did you remember what you were going to say or can I go to the next story? No, go to the next story. So Leon Edwards says he's leaving an opening for George Masvidal, despite the fact that they've kind of gone in different directions. So Masvidal, since then, if you'll recall, when he teed up Leon Edwards, he had just beaten Darintel. And months later, he need Ben Askren. Months after that, he stopped Nate Diaz to become the BMF. This was 2019. Since then, he's lost three in a row, twice to Kamaru Usman in title fights and once to Colby Covington, whereas Leon Edwards has won. Uh, I think it's only been one fight since then, which is Nate Diaz. The, there was a no contest against Bilal Muhammad. So, and, and now he's fighting for a, a title shot. I suppose it does make sense if Usman stops Edwards, but if Edwards wins, I, don't, I hope he's not suggesting he should fight Masvidal because it doesn't make sense in the scheme of contenders, who's winning, who's losing. However, if this is possibly Edwards going cha-ching, this is my division's Conor McGregor, I feel you. I understand. And I can't blame him because the UFC has allowed that to happen for divisions to get railroaded from who actually belongs there to actual fights that will produce the company more money the example i can give is this our beloved los angeles lakers are the number 10th spot in the nba playoffs as you know each conference has eight teams what the nba has adopted is the first six automatic seven plays eight nine plays ten the winner of nine and ten plays the loser of eight and seven to become the eight team and the winner of seven and eight is automatically team number seven so that gives you know a few teams a, a chance. So they're now in the 11th spot. You don't think the NBA would love to go, <laughs> but the fans want it, man. Something about the Lakers. They got this. They got this series going on HBO, and they got LeBron and Hollywood and Jack Nicholson. So guess what? We're pushing them in, and Utah's just not really a big market for us. I think they're like the number third team or some shit. We're just going to kind of like, you know, bounce them out and wish them luck in next year. No, you can't do that. Whoever wins advances. Um, But this is a different sport. So I saw it goes as Leon Edwards maybe laying down a foundation. Well, but, you know, the reason he has that foundation to lay Mm -hmm. is because of Dana White, right? What did Dana White say a month ago? Well, you know, if the champ wants it, Mm -hmm. right? And guess what? If the only reason we'd be talking about this fight I mean, obviously, I don't think Leon Edwards is saying that uh, he thinks he's going to lose. To me, if he loses, then, yeah, this fight makes sense. But if he wins, in no way does it make sense. Unless the champion has this power that we didn't know about and they can actually uh, call their own shots, then, then yeah, I get it. And they're going to sell it to you and people are going to fall for it because eh, we do kind of want to see some kind of conclusion to to what happened there. But at the same time, like, Jorge Masvidal's stock kind of dropped a little bit, right, with the Colby Covington. Not not so much as a fighter, but just as far as that, like, BMF, right? 
that's mm-hmm. kind of what attracts us to what happened in that Leon Edwards situation was, oh my God, he handled it right then and there, right? Mm-hmm. So that that kind of fell away a little bit. So I don't know. But eh, who wouldn't really want to tune in and see it? It just doesn't make sense. Right. And the part where the part where Dana does say that, well, you know, if the champ wants it, we got to take a look. Okay, well, then then it's fair for us to go, well, what if the champ, Volkanovsky, gets past the zombie and he wants it in terms of Cejudo? Because mm-hmm. Cejudo wants to get that third bell, but boy, did you pour some cold water on that. He said, Cejudo, he's been gone for three years. No, he's only been gone for 18 months, at least at the time he said it. And what if the champ wants it? You know, Volkanovsky's now been defending a few times. Like, why doesn't, if the champ wants it, apply to that? Probably because Cejudo's got a big number ahead of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a big number that, 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 that'll that lure him back into the sport. And I get that, Dana. If he's saying $100 million, fuck, yeah, I would be the first to go triple C, love you to death. But, yeah, I, he ain't going to pay you $100 million. But if triple C's asking for a fair share... And you just have to bite the bullet a little bit. Then guess what? You're the one that tells us it's the best year ever or whatever. Well, this is the fight we all want to see, man. This would be pretty historical, you know? And and if if the champ Watson Volkanovsky, then I, I don't see how you would say no to, to Cejudo because GSP came out of nowhere, you know? And, and, and to become a champ champ, this guy's going after a champ 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 status. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but anyway. <laughs> He fires me up sometimes, man. Uh, Fabrizio Verdum goes, I guess he's not in the PFL's tournament or, you know, their regular season, which could lead to a playoff. Kind of bummed about that, but he's saying now, unless it's a big offer, like a one-on-one somewhere, he may just be retired. Yeah, it's unfortunate because we didn't really get to see much of him. And, you know, he's one of those fighters that has a skill set where no matter how old he gets, he's still kind of got a shot in every fight. And that's what makes it exciting. But um, I'd be unfortunate if we don't get to see him again. Yeah, exactly. I wanted one of these high-profile uh, free agents to pay off for the PFL. I root for all these organizations. I really do. But I really wanted wanted one of them, like a Pettis or a or Verdum or someone like that, to pay off because their name carries value. It'd be nice for one of those guys to say, hey, look, before I retired, I was a UFC champ. Like in the case of Verdum, I was a, I guess he was an interim champ, a champ. And then, you know, a submission grappling champion at Abu Dhabi and and now a PFL. That, that'd be a pretty, really, really cool career in the case of Pettis, WEC, UFC, PFL. That, that would be really, really respect, respectable. And then their name value for the PFL would be, you know, it would be a nice little payoff. But. The free agents haven't haven't paid off. Well, hell, even Rory McDonald, he didn't pay off. He he paid off at Bellator. He won a title there, but he hasn't paid off at Bellator uh, at PFL. So I really wanted to see that, but it looks like that goes by the wayside. All right, it's time for our next guest, Bobby Seronio. One and zero, folks. But look, um, our history in the sport is covering fighters from different organizations at different times of their life, whether they were just starting out or whether they're veterans looking for one last fight or fighters at their peak or whatever. So I love it when we can mix it up like this. This fighter has, um, his family has a history in in martial arts and he's been highly spoken of because of 
his wrestling skills in high school. So he's a young cat, but I'm excited to talk to Bobby Seronio. We'll talk about his fight coming up here at Bellator 277 in a couple weeks. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back talking to Bobby Cerrone the third, who's going to be facing Caleb Ramirez on April 15th at Bellator 277 in San Jose. It is a stack card. This is one of the young guns that you need to keep an eye on. At least that's what the people have been telling me behind the scenes, and that's why we're talking to them. What's going on? How you doing, Bobby? Uh, great to meet you here. And boy, Vallejo, San Jose, I got to imagine there's going to be a big contingent that travel to watch you fight on the 15th. Oh, for sure. There's going to be some fireworks going on. Yeah. How how far is that? Maybe a couple hours or I've uh, been to Northern California. Like an hour and a half. Not too far right. from us. You're, you you come from a martial arts family, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, So my it came from my dad's side. So all they started from my great grandpa to my grandpa and my dad then. Went down to me and my two sisters. That's cool. All right. So we know the family's invested in. You didn't have to go to your pops or anyone else and say, you know, I'm thinking of trying this. And they had you peg as an astronaut or something no. else. It seemed like you were you were kind of built for this, right? Yeah. I was built from the start. Uh, we started doing uh, fighting since I was five. And then I did wrestling once I got into high school. Then once I turned 18, I started doing my MMA journey four years of wrestling and i heard you did very well for yourself yes um, and i also a little short on a, on, a, on a state wrestling something like that right the tournament uh so i was one ma one match away from going to state in my junior year junior and senior year but i also continued my wrestling journey uh at sac city college community college mm -hmm. how'd you do there uh I placed, uh, I was, I didn't place, but I was ranked fifth in the state until uh, I had an uh, injury in my shoulder. Okay. Well, the reason I bring it up, this has come up a, a quite a bit in our career as we've covered the sport. We've noticed that a lot of fi fighters, now fighters, that originally started off in wrestling, a lot of the fuel that they carried, a lot of the motivation that they carried from wrestling was coming up a little bit short in big moments like like the one that we just talked about for example dan henderson you probably heard of him he's kind of an og he yeah, actually lost in a state tournament as well he's a california guy he went to a state tournament and lost but you know it, it actually motivated him to continue you know to try and do it in college at the olympics where, where guess what he came up short again but he, he was a multi-time uh MMA world champion at you know in two different weight classes. You know, he's he's a legend. He's gonna go in all kinds of Hall of Fames. Daniel Cormier, he came up short in the Olympics, but it fueled him to become a champ champ in the UFC. So do you feel like you carry that chip on your shoulder as well? Like, you know, like man, you know, I, I, I'm still climbing to the top of that mountain. No, for sure. Especially as just as an athlete in general, once you're able to have that feeling like on i still have that power to go up keep going up that ladder then nothing is really going to stop us yeah i mean look of course who wouldn't want to be a four-time four stay wrestling <laughs> champ or or an olympian you know some people can pull it off but i i just don't think it's it's always the recipe you know what i mean Un 
man, undefeated careers are so hard to come by. Um, so, you know, but but I'm glad that at least your family's along for this journey and they they probably told you some of this as well. Yeah, they all uh, they all gave me like the inside news of what's going to go down and what's happening. But they are all supportive of me um, from the start going to from cry to wrestling to MMA. So they're all excited. I'm also excited for what my journeys I go on for. What's some of the best advice that they've given you that you would have never thought about by your, you know, on your own? To be honest, a lot of things just in general uh, in fighting, saying that a fight's a fight. The only thing that changes is the rules. So from karate, there's different rules. Wrestling, there's different rules and many different rules. But all in all, there's still someone in front of me that I got to um, go against. Mixed martial arts is a lot of different martial arts and sports all in one. And I wanted to ask you, how many of those have you individually trained in? Like we talked about your wrestling career. What other martial arts did you, uh, you know, practice or conquer? Well, I've started doing karate. Uh, my style is called Jukembo. I started doing that when I was five years old, and I still haven't stopped. So I've done karate. I've done wrestling. Uh, I do jiu-jitsu with Dave Terrell at NorCal Final Alliance. Uh, I do boxing, uh, Muay Thai with resistance. So with my uh, resistance too, part of that is my uh, older cousin, Eddie Apostolo and them. So their team's really good at that. So pretty much in MMA, I try to cover all my bases. Now your first fight in Bellator, you were kind of able to blend all of those arts together. Is there one that really stands out for you, one practice that you love showing up to uh, for sure is karate and wrestling those two are like my uh background right now so no matter what those two won't go away from me talk a little bit about your first fight from beginning to end i'm sure there were a few nerves and all that um but going through a second time now do you feel like you'll still have those types of uh emotions or did, will this feel a little different for you Oh, no. So every fight, the emotions always go through my mind. But at least with this fight, uh, I got more mature. My mind's been relaxed a little bit more. So I know how it's going to feel stepping into that cage. So for sure, I'm going to be a different fighter. But those nerves, those um, adrenaline going through me won't change. Bobby, let's talk about one last thing. We kind of covered the martial arts, the sports. You have a history with your family in this game. Here's something that's really, really important. It's one of the practices that you probably have at least once a week. It's probably one of the ones you, you probably hate. I don't know. Maybe you can correct me. <laughs> but strength and conditioning. You know, like there's a fight. Once it starts going to a certain point, man, you can have all the skills in the world. But if you're huffing and puffing and them hands go down, whoo, it, it, you know, it, now yeah. all of a sudden <laughs> – you're looking at the clock. You're praying that the judges give you the first <laughs> few rounds. What, what about you? What, what do you like? Are you a cardio king or what, what do you like? Uh, I love doing my cardio. I love doing my morning runs. Uh, I wake up 5 o'clock in the morning, do my runs. And after that, I go to work. Then after that, I go back to the gym, start working out again. So I would like to say I, I like my cardio, but I also like my strengthening, strengthening like doing the weights my back, my arms, everything. Everything that involves me fighting, 
where like you know for having a grip i try to practice my grip strengthening my back and everything cool and you mentioned you had a another job uh what's your other job what's your other career oh well right now um i'm going to school try to become a firefighter so that's uh my other goal going on for in my life Mm-hmm. But right now, I'm just working, like, a little part-time job. <laughs> you don't want to share that job, do you? What, what do you do? Come on. Press up. My, my part-time, uh, so I work at um, a power line company. <laughs> power line? Yeah. So those oh, okay, people, that's cool. So the you... people that work on the poles and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, climb up the poles? So, yeah, I'm one of, the like, the suppliers for those guys. <laughs> you ever been shocked? No, I don't. I don't get shocked. No, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't work with those. Uh, oh, okay. Those ones. Uh, uh, I see. Yeah. So the uh, the name of the place I work for is called Pinnacle Powers. So they're the ones that do all those power lines and stuff. I'm just the one that I'm like the tool guy. Got it. <laughs> well, you know what? You got to do what you got to do, and yeah. you're paying your dues. And then all of a sudden, you watch, man. Once this thing goes. You'll have options, and maybe you become full-time MMA, MMA or whatever. Who knows? But I do like the fact that you seem to have a good head on your shoulders in knowing this doesn't also last forever. And guess what? A lot of successful fighters in our business have been firefighters as well as some coaches. You know, we all know Steve Miocic, yeah. obviously. Uh, Chris Lytle, I don't know if you remember him. Chris Lytle, he's now an announcer for um, Bare Knuckle, but he had yeah. a long career with the UFC. Uh, Coach Eric Del Fiero at Alliance MMA down in San Diego. He just retired, I believe, from being a firefighter. But there's been a lot of them. Eddie Wineland. I'm not sure if he's still with the UFC. He fought recently for him, but he's towards the tail end. But he was a WEC champ yeah. at one point. So there's been a lot of them, man. You, you, uh, I, 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 I don't see anything wrong with uh, pursuing, you know, that career as well. It, give, it affords you the time, I think, you know, that, that you'll need. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, man, it's been great. Getting to know you here. And did I say your name right? Seronio? Yeah. Perfect. Normally cool. people mispronounce my last name. But then yeah. whenever I hear people say the my uh, last name correct, I'm like, pretty surprised. Yeah. Well, you know, every once in a while we get it right. Like a broken clock <laughs> twice a day. Um, thank you for the time today. Good luck in the rest of your camp that you have here as you prepare for Bellator 277. Safe weight cut. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Talk to you guys later. All right. Thank you. Bye. And just I suspected, uh, I really enjoyed that chat with that young fella. Yeah, he's a cool cat, and he's uh, very well-rounded. You know, if you watch some of his fights, um, he started off with a karate background, but then wrestled, and he can kind of blend it all together. So good on him. Yeah, most definitely. All right, look, we couldn't get to all the news, folks, but we got to cut out of here. It's all there available on MMA Junkie. There's some interesting stories there that have come out, you know, uh, one that I wanted to dig into, and maybe we will next week, is Figueredo, and he wants Kaikara France, but he's accusing the Moreno camp of posting some racist stuff. Um, Moreno has fired back in his self-defense, and we have that on MMA Junkie if you want to check it out. To me, it just sounds like they're going to fight anyway. Gegard Musasi's getting ready to defend again. I'm excited about that. That story's on MMA Junkie. Henry Cejudo is saying, hey, Colby Covington, why don't you rematch with, with – uh, Jorge Mazadal and get something out of this little rivalry by asking for pay-per-view points. Hey, that's pretty cool. And then John Jones, there's a nice story there as well. He says the Dominic Reyes fight was the one that said, hey, man, you've done what you needed to do at light heavyweight. Move on to heavyweight. 
Uh, but we still haven't seen him at heavyweight, so what do I know? Check all that out on MMA Junkie. Check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video, where you can see more goes and I with our extended interviews that we have with fighters. Sometimes you only see the recaps, the video highlights on the recaps, but there you can catch them all, as well as us on Spinning Back Click and uh, goes behind the scenes with Legend to Legend. For now, we're out of here. Enjoy your uh, free weekend from the major organizations. But don't forget, a little bit of love for LFA and CFFC. All that available on Fight Pass. Check it out. The information is there on the schedule tab. We're out of here, folks. Go out there and be a champion. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.